With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's in the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and joining me for episode 242 of this podcast is none other than my co-host, Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster and the Dynasty Guru. Keaton, what's going on, man? Oh, not much. You know, just uh, another recording in another hotel. I think um, I've set a streak here of uh, consecutive podcasts in different cities. So it'd be nice to do one from my uh, my own apartment next week. Uh, how many have you done on the road now? What number is this? Um, I think it's been three weeks since I've done one from my actual apartment. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, uh, however many good. I've done in the last three weeks. <laughs> Maybe like seven. Cool. That mic's getting some work, so that's good. Um, I'm, I'm glad to glad to see that you are committed to your craft. Yeah. It hasn't um, even stopped... Uh, going through TSA once, so what they think it was, I don't know. But the base of it is like, I mean, I think we have the same mic, or we did have the same mic. But the base of it is like iron, like thick iron. Yeah. So it comes yeah. up as like 
hey, this guy might be trying to smuggle something. So, <laughs> so they had to check it. Surprise, I'm just trying to talk about a crappy baseball team. Yep. Yep. Uh, here we are, though. We are here to talk about Red Sox baseball today. Um, and so on this episode of the show, we're really going to take the pulse of uh, where the team is right now. Obviously, the team is struggling. We're not going to bother all of you with the minutia of how these games have gone uh, individually. I mean, that is really reserved for the other podcast Keaton does, uh, which he does with Bailey. Um, the precap podcast, so definitely check that out for game to game stuff. But we're going to take a higher level look at everything that's going on with this team. Um, I wrote about uh, what's going on with this team today at overthemonster.com. I wrote about um, Bloom's offseason in 2021, uh, heading into 2022, and kind of how that has impacted the team this year uh, and how you know that's looking for the future. So we're going to talk about that as well as the things going on with the current club. But let's start with a little bit of good news here. Um, for about half of Red Sox Nation, probably, yeah, probably about half, uh, you guys got to see a win yesterday, or as we're recording this, it'll be yesterday. Uh, the first game against the Braves, that game was also aired on TBS. Don Orsillo was uh, doing the broadcast for that game. Uh, and he got to call a Raphael Devers Grand Slam. So that was pretty nice. Keaton, I just sent you the video. Uh, rate the call of, of, of that Grand Slam. I mean, 10 out of 10, just for hearing the voice again. Yeah. that was. Uh, I was annoyed because I tried to – I didn't know that Orsillo was calling, but here in my hotel I tried to tune into the game, and for whatever reason uh, TBS wouldn't work. It was just all black, so I gave up. Um so I, I didn't get a chance to, to watch the game. And then you just told me now that Ursula was the one doing the call. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always great to hear his voice. Uh, and definitely to have that come with a Red Sox win where the offense shows up. Devers gets going. Um, that was a pretty good win there. So a little bit of good news in, in a sea of bad news for this team this year. Uh, the Red Sox are currently... Uh, we're recording in the middle of the second uh, Atlanta Braves game, um, but they're currently 11-19, um, which is last place in the American League East. And unfortunately for this team, the injuries are piling up a little bit here. Um, you know, the it, it's really specifically to the pitching staff that we're seeing these injuries. Um, you know, Bloom gave a press conference a few days back saying that uh, there were some setbacks for both James Paxton uh, and Chris Sale, who I guess the Chris Sale thing may not be injury related, but, you know, the James Paxton thing seems like it is. So those guys are going to be delayed a little bit longer. And meanwhile, Michael Walker was placed on the IL with an intercostal irritation. And uh, Rich Hill is on the COVID-19 IL. So uh, this means the rotation is pretty thin at this point. It's Nathan Eovaldi. Nick Pavetta, who really hasn't found his stride this year. He's been better over his last three starts. Uh, so that's encouraging. But that means that Tanner Houck and Garrett Whitlock, two guys who probably are, well, definitely are needed in the bullpen, are now uh, in the starting rotation. So, I mean, how do you feel about this pitching situation with all these injuries? And is there anything the Red Sox can do to kind of um, weather this storm? 
Um, the, no. <laughs> um, I mean, I think it's just kind of patching things together um, the way that they have been. I know they're they're going to be in the need of somebody um, this weekend. Um, I think it'll, I mean, I, my preference would be to call somebody up from AAA rather than attempt a bullpen game because this bullpen's, bullpen is just not built for it. Um, especially with Whitlock and Hauk not there um, to kind of get bulk innings. I'm not really sure how you would piece together a bullpen day other than literally going inning by inning with these guys. And I, just you got to give them, t- you got to give them time to rest. Uh, even with a day off, I I really don't think piecing together a bullpen day with these guys is something that's going to work. So I think you got to look at Seabold or Winkowski going in one of those directions um, this weekend. And I think that's it. That's kind of it. You're just kind of piecing it together um, that way until Rich Hill comes back. Hopefully, um, you know, it's kind of been hit or miss, right? It's uh, he might be able to come back quickly. Uh, depending on how his symptoms are, or he it may be like a, a ten day thing here. So um, we'll just have to see. Other other than that, it's just piecing it together with what you got, uh, and there's not really great options. Uh, Carlos Martinez, they did sign uh, immediately after the game on uh, Sunday. Now I think, and then started yep. um, Monday in Worcester. Uh, didn't get through an inning. But <laughs> that uh, didn't go feel, well. It didn't. But they feel confident that they can make some changes and get something out of him. I was surprised to see him start. I really thought they were going to use him as a as a reliever. Um, career three thirty seven ERA as a reliever last year. Um, all of twenty twenty one, he was used as a starter. Um, his ERA was over six. Didn't go great. Um, so I, I thought maybe with a defined role. In the bullpen, um, that might be better suited for him. Um, but it seems like they're going to attempt to use him as a starter, or maybe both. And <laughs> they may just have three swing guys that they try and you know patch this together, uh, or maybe nothing happens with Martinez at all, and we never see him. So there's, there's also that that potential too there. But it seems like that's where they're going. Um, it's either going to be a bullpen day, or they call someone up, uh, or potentially in the long term we see Carlos Martinez, but. Uh, I think those are the options. That's what we've seen with their plans, and none of them really great, but I don't think there's anything else I can do. Yeah, it wouldn't totally surprise me if they didn't even bother uh, to go with one of uh, Connor Siebold or Josh Winkowski, and I agree with you that those two guys are the most likely options considering they're both on the 40-man, and you know, you're, you're probably not dipping down to double uh, A to some of the better options there like Brian Bayo or... Even Jay Groom, um, who's definitely not the second best option there. Brandon Walter would be the second best, but you know he's not on the 40-man at this point. I don't think that they're going to dip down there. I think they might try and do something like string together five innings from Tyler Danish and Cutter Crawford or something like that, which you know may turn out horrendously. Um, but you know, at, at this point, I'm not sure. Uh, they have much better options. I'm not really sure that Seabold or Winkowski uh, would be better than that tandem at this point. So they're dangerously low on depth. And, um, you know, this has been sort of the theme of this year is that when the Red Sox struggle at certain positions, they just really don't have very many buttons to press uh, to rectify those issues. I mean, the the depth in the 
minor league system is better, but the problem is that it's not great at the upper levels of yeah. the system. There's not a lot of guys who are right here on the cusp. So as we're seeing injuries rack up in the, the starting rotation, um, you know, that's being exposed. And what that's doing is it's eating away at the quality options, the few quality options uh, that the team does have in the bullpen. And, you know, the the guys in the bullpen have been bad. Uh, other than Matt Strom, it's it's not been good out there. Even even a guy like Hansel Robles, who has good numbers on the surface, the 2.7 ERA, when you dig a little deeper into his numbers, I mean, it, it looks like some serious regression is probably headed his way. You know, Barnes is unplayable at this point. Jake Diekman's very inconsistent. Um, there's just not a lot going on in that bullpen right now. So it feels like overall, uh, this is probably a pretty poorly constructed team for this year. And I'm a little surprised um, that this is what happened following last year. And I, I guess that's kind of the tenor of, of the article I wrote today was just like, how on earth did Bloom decide, hey, we're, we're two wins away from the World Series. We've reset our luxury tax threshold. And um, yeah, we're going to just, uh, we're going to piece it together with Waka Hill, uh, hope that sales okay. And, you know, sign James Paxton, throw spaghetti at a wall, see what sticks. I mean, it's just bizarre how how little was actually addressed this offseason when you really dig into it. And one of the things I, I, I wrote about was, you know, looking at the the additions to the rotation with um, Waka and Hill. I mean, these are two guys that just haven't thrown a lot of innings uh, over the last few years. And in Walker's case, hasn't even really been good when he has thrown innings over the last couple of years. So at least with Hill, you can defend that whatever you get out of him will probably be okay. Um, but with Waka, you know, I, I think we've been tremendously lucky with what we've seen from Michael Waka this year. He's way overperformed what we've expected. Um, you know, he's got a, a fantastic ERA, but when you dig under his numbers a little bit, um, it looks like big regression is going to hit him as well. Yeah. Well, so here's the interesting piece, because I agree with you that more should have been done. And I think we had, we had a listener question that I think really kind of nailed it on the head. Um, when I was kind of thinking about this and, and reading your article, um, if we want to kind of jump to that, this was uh, Patio D's question. Yeah, go ahead. Sure. Do you think the success of 2021 made the front office believe in itself a bit too much? Uh, like they could easily find another pitcher like Whitlock, build up the bullpen with roster churn like the Rays. Uh, is what happening? Is what's happening? In 2022, a victim of 2021 success. I really think it is the case because, uh, I mean, you outline how things really weren't addressed and uh, how that kind of made this offseason disappointing. But it's also kind of um, the, the piece that you outline is how it didn't give room for error or like any kind of wiggle room for like catching a slow start. 
Yeah. Because if the offense is hitting, this team might be in first place in this division, which is kind of what's crazy to think about. So I compared um, – I was just looking at the runs per game of the team last year in 2021 to the runs per game both uh, offensively and allowed to this year. The pitching game, the Red Sox are allowing 4.1 runs per game this year, which is down a half a run last year. So, like you pointed out in your article, they hit on Waka and Hill, but you don't, you can't really tell because of how bad the team's been performing, even with them overachieving and the pitching as a whole being really good. The bullpen for the first month of the season was unbelievable. Um, it was due for regression. The regression has happened. Even if everything was clicking on all cylinders, the bullpen would still be frustrating and we'd be annoyed by it because it was basically just running back the same bullpen, but uh, the same bullpen as 2021, just with different names. But that was a bullpen that got them two wins away from the World Series, so it would have been effective enough. However, the runs per game scored is down a run and a half. So they scored 5.1 last year. They're scoring 3.5 this year. If they were scoring... 5.1 this year, like they were last year. I mean, by averages, they would be undefeated. They'd be scoring one run more per game than they'd be allowing, and they would be undefeated. Obviously, we know that wouldn't be the case, but they would probably be neck and neck with the Yankees at the top of this division if that if the offense was actually hitting. But that actually kind of backs up what you wrote in your article, that by failing to address the depth, you didn't get an outfielder, an offensive outfielder. You didn't go after a guy like Suzuki or any of the other guys that were out there, like bringing back Schwarber or going to get Castellanos or any of those guys. You didn't add any kind of depth to the bench, infield or outfield. You just kind of ran back Arroyo. The bottom three of the lineup last year was a black hole. You got saved by Dahlbuck's hot streak. You really couldn't rely on that again. You didn't reinforce that, and that's kind of led to the offensive failures this year. You shouldn't have predicted that success was going to continue. Um, and just the the doing nothing to address that. Like, you didn't even really need to. I, you, one of the, the great things about your article that I like that you outlined was you took the money that they did spend and allocated it and said, here's how it could have better been spent to build up the depth in all of these different directions and really kind of addressed all of the points that you needed to hit to reinforce this roster. Uh, and it came out to less than what they actually did spend, but it would have been all major upgrades for the entire roster top to bottom. And the fact that the Red Sox weren't even mentioned with those guys throughout the offseason was kind of puzzling. I mean, Suzuki was the only one and they were only really mentioned with him during the lockout when they weren't supposed to be. And like it wasn't before the lockout, it wasn't after the lockout. When they could actually talk to him and potentially sign him, they were never really mentioned. There, it was only really heated up during the lockout when they weren't supposed to talk to him. Which is kind of like, okay, were they actually ever in on him then? Because that kind of makes it a little bit weird, right? <laughs> so everybody else, it was kind of just a big a big question mark. But it's it's just kind of it feels like they were resting on their laurels of what got them two wins away from the World Series, and rather than seeing an opportunity to build on that and push them over the edge to reinforce that roster that was that close, they were like, now we can do it again. Let's run it back. 
and without actually yeah. seeing the glaring holes in that roster that were actually what kept them to win short from the World Series. They just they were satisfied with trying to run that back again where there were glaring holes. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. Um, and I, I think that there were even a couple other things that they could have looked at that I didn't even mention in my article um, that they should have maybe uh, planned for. Uh, one of those things that, you know, I wanted to fit in there, but I wasn't able to was, you know, Kike Hernandez, his performance this year has been really bad. Uh, and he was one of the better players on this team uh, last year in 2021. Uh, he was absolutely fantastic. The guy put up a, a 4.1 war season, had the second best offensive full season of his career um, to his 2018 season with the Dodgers, um, was just a great all-around player. But um, one of the things we noticed when we were doing this podcast last year, Keaton, was how drastically different Kike hit when he was playing second base uh, rather than when he was playing center field. So uh, just to remind everybody, last year when he was playing second base, he slashed 339, 433, 619 with a 178 WRC+. plus. He was basically a world-class player while he was at second base. In center field last year, he slashed 213, 293, 378 with a 79 WRC+. So, clearly, um, there was something to that. I don't know how much of that is sample size noise, but certainly Kike seemed to be a lot more comfortable at the plate while he was at second base. It kind of figured that, like, you know, if, if you wanted to cheap out at one position, maybe you do still make that Jackie Bradley Jr. trade that they made, but then let Jackie play center, let Kike play second base, and then go out and get that right fielder that we all wanted. You know, that would have made a little bit more sense based on what happened as well. And then the the other clear one was was the Dahlbeck thing. So, you know, Dahlbeck coming into last year um, had just a really weird season. Uh, the 48-game stretch that ran from August 1st to October 3rd, he had a 174 WRC plus and slugged 683. Uh, the other 85 games that year, he slugged uh, 399 with a 72 WRC plus. The larger sample size showed that Dahlbeck was this sort of unproductive guy, and they paired him with Travis Shaw rather than uh, you know any sort of meaningful uh, player there who could be a stopgap to to Tristan Casas. I mean, I, I mentioned in the article the two year deal that the Yankees gave to to Rizzo. You know, another name that was out there was Brandon Belt at one year, 18.4 million bucks. He accepted the qualifying offer from the Giants. You know, maybe you're not able to alert either of those guys, but at least it seems like you should have tried. I think you're more likely to lure a guy like Rizzo, but I would have been fine with that because you know what? You play Rizzo at first base for the majority of this year. Next year, when JD leaves, just slot Rizzo in at DH and problem solved you know it's just it was it was very weird the amount of things that they overlooked because now that Kike is not hitting 
We have Verdugo underperforming as well, but his stat cast numbers say, hey, this is going to change on a dime. But there's no fix for Christian Vasquez, no fix for Jackie Bradley Jr., you know, no fix for Franchi Cordero and Dahlbeck, which is just the most miserable platoon I can possibly think of. <laughs> it, I mean, the only guys that are reliably hitting are the stars, Devers, Martinez, and Bogarts. And those are the three guys whose futures are probably most uncertain on this entire roster. Yeah. That's insane. That's just patently insane. Yep. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Absolutely right. But that's, I mean, kind of outlining how bad the offense has been. I mean, forget I mean, the bottom three aside, because I, I, was, <laughs> I wasn't expecting anything from this, from the bottom three at all. And, um, you know, in our season preview series, I, I talked about how I wasn't really kind of expecting to get much from that. But the top six, I was expecting to be probably, I mean, the best top six in the American League. Um, I think we we compared it to Toronto's and we felt that top six was probably um, the Red Sox had the edge. But if you compared all nine, Toronto's lineup was lengthier. And so we felt like yeah. the core six of the Red Sox was going to be enough. They were going to score enough runs just like they did last year. And unfortunately, we're not seeing it. But that's what gives me – I'm still optimistic about them turning it around this season and going on a run because Trevor Story's starting to heat up now, which is good to see. Uh, had a, his first home run tonight. Um, he's had a few multi-hit games this week. Which is good to see Verdugo, as you pointed out, his uh, all of his uh, tertiary stats and stat casts, his predictive stats say he's doing the right things. He's just been really unlucky, so there's hope there. And then uh, Devers, Martinez, Bogarts doing really well. So I feel like they still have a run in them, and it's weird because I'm not. <laughs> the optimistic one on this podcast but i still feel good about it because you are now keaton i know which is really weird i don't know how this happened here but it it doesn't feel right feels foreign but i just the the offense just isn't this bad and the the pitching i believe in michael walker i think they really got something there um i don't know what they're gonna get at rich hill because i mean you pointed out in your article guy has really had like what was it in 2007 He's only pitched 150 innings once, and it happened to be last year, which is, I mean, I guess yep. potentially a good sign, but also kind of scary with, um, means he's got all those miles packaged on his arm um, immediately. So I, I don't know necessarily what you're going to get there. Um, maybe he ends up back in the bullpen and Whitlock ends up being that guy in the rotation full-time where I think he should belong, but hopefully you don't have to rely on him in the bullpen or however that ends up shaking up. The pitching has been really good. Even with how bad the bullpen has been, they're not giving up a lot of runs. So it's really like, that's what makes this so frustrating and seeing the offense underperform like this. Like I just can't believe we're only going to have three guys who know how to hit a ball for the entire season. I just can't believe that's actually going to happen. So I, I still feel optimistic that they can turn this around, go on a run. It's going to be really hard to move up anywhere in the standings, and I guess this is where having massively expanded playoffs might help them 
um, if they were to actually like get to the postseason and make a run. Um, but I think they can turn this around and make the season look a lot better, make us forget about how bad this start was. But they're still going to need to make moves. And they haven't really – I mean, besides the Schwarber move, which was unique in itself because as he was acquired uh, while he was injured, um, we haven't really seen Bloom make an in-season move to besides the Schwarber move that was really kind of like a significant piece, right? And we had to wait on Schwarber um, to see how that played out uh, before we actually saw him. So there was a bit of risk involved with that move. So – I I'd be curious to see, you know, basically how the next two months play out. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think the only other trade you can kind of uh, attribute to him with meaning uh, is the uh, move for Brandon Workman and Heath Hembry for Seabold and Pavetta. But even that move, I mean, the club was out of it at that point. So that was that was selling and, uh, and not acquiring talent. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. But I think you, you hit on a really interesting point right now is the start for this team. And it's going to be incredibly um, difficult for this team to overcome uh, such a bad start. So right now, uh, the Red Sox currently are projected by Fangraphs to finish uh, essentially 500. Uh, 81 and 81 is is what they're projected at this point. Um, their playoff odds are are 21.5% as we do this podcast right now. Uh, those are not very good. Their, their percentage chance to win the division is 1.1% uh, yeah. at this point. And... Yeah, I mean you're it's it's tough. You're you're already 11 games back of the Yankees and it it's May. And and the thing that, you know, is often a talking point with baseball and I think a lot of people get this wrong is like, you know, oh, it's it's early. And but it matters. You know, teams that start poorly traditionally don't actually make up that ground. And um there was a really interesting article on FanGraphs uh by Jay Jaffe that came out on May 10th. And he looked at Red Sox teams with worse records through 29 games. This was one game ago. Um, and this team, the 2022 team, was the fourth worst team. Uh, I, I suppose it was tied for third worst uh, with the 1996 club. Just behind 1966, 2020, 
Um, yep, and then it was 96 in 2022 team, tied at a 345 winning percentage. So here's what those teams did uh, for the year. Uh, the 1966 team finished 72 and 90, obviously out of the playoffs. Uh, the 2020 team, I don't have to remind anyone here how bad that was with, you know, the manager almost falling asleep in the dugout all the time. And it was just, that was like one of the worst teams I've ever watched. Uh, 24 and 36 in the shortened year. The 96 team, though, is the one that gives a little bit of hope. It's actually the the two teams that are uh, sandwiched around the 2022 team are the 1996 and the 1972 team. Those teams found their level a little bit, and they both finished with 85 wins uh, in in those respective seasons. So there is some precedent, but all of the other teams on this list, if we extend it out to the 61, 64, 84, 2012, and 2019, I mean, almost all of those teams didn't really do well with the exception of like the 84 and the 2019 team, which were fine, but still not good. You know, so the, the odds are that this team is probably going to be a bad team who misses the playoffs. Maybe. I mean, it wasn't the Red Sox, but wasn't the uh, 2019 nationals. They were like 20 and 29 won the world series. It's true. Yeah. It's it's not impossible. It just feels really impossible. The 2019 Nationals also had the best player on the planet. And Max Scherzer. Michael Walker. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> of course. Everybody <laughs> compares Michael Walker to, to Max Scherzer. And uh, sure, uh, Devers yeah. maybe can do his best uh, Juan Soto impression. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. They're, they're pretty differently constructed teams, but you know, it's difficult. This is going to be really difficult. Yeah, it is. And I, I, I don't know. Can you can you paint a blueprint for me for how they get out of this? Like how do, how does it look for this team to play well over five hundred baseball for the rest of the year? Because that's what they have to do to get. So even close to 500 is they have to play well over 500 baseball moving forward. How do they do that with this current setup in the lack of depth that we already discussed? Uh, well, Verdugo goes back to his, you know, the first three weeks of the year, right? Trevor Story hits the 40 home runs we all thought he'd hit in Fenway playing there. Um, the core three just keep doing their thing. Um, you get, you know, a couple weeks at a time, you get a hot streak out of Dahlbuck, JBJ, um, Arroyo. You know, you don't ask a lot. Maybe they let them, maybe they can overlap so you can get like some, some runs scored here. I mean, it all falls on the offense because the, um, you know, something that uh, I've made sure to mention on a lot of podcasts now is that uh, the Red Sox defense is stellar. Uh, and it gets completely lost in how poorly this team has been playing. But they're one of the best defensive teams in the league right now, which is wild considering where they were a year ago. Um, and that is not something that is hindering their success at all. Um, that side of the ball has been fantastic. So 
keep that up. Offense just hits. Pitching keeps doing what it's doing. To me, it all just kind of falls on the offense. Um, I'd like to see a move to get somebody at the back who can hit, like, I don't know, once every seven days <laughs> would be nice. Um, I'd like You're to asking see... a lot, Keaton. I know. I'd like <laughs> to see Duran get everyday playing time, or at least a chance. Um, I don't... I. I don't know if anything would would come of it, but it's like it can't be worse than what they got down the bottom of the order now. So, um, but yeah, I really I just think it's Verdugo and Story turn it around. Um, you get something out of somebody at the bottom of the order a few days a week, and then I think you're back to scoring five runs a game, and then you start going on a run where you're winning you know, four or five games a week. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that this team is as bad as it's shown so far, and not including tonight's game stats as we record this. Red Sox are 26th in baseball in runs scored. Um, in terms of WRC+, plus, they are also 26th at 82. Um, and in terms of wins above replacement as an offense, according to Fangraphs, they are 28th. So that, I mean, that puts them in truly miserable company and, and around teams that have, you know, minuscule payrolls in comparison to the Red Sox. So I don't think that they can grossly underperform to this degree for the rest of the year. So I agree with you that the offense is probably going to find its level at some point. What I am worried about, though, is that I do believe that the bullpen is probably as bad uh, as we think it is. I, I, you know, it's ranked right now 21st in baseball in terms of ERA. And if we look at, you know, that in terms of, of war, which, uh, you know, quantifies a little bit more about some of those underlying metrics, especially, you know, fielding independent pitching and some of that stuff, it's a little bit worse than that. So I am concerned about that. The other thing I'm concerned about is the robbing Peter to pay Paul thing with, you know, moving, Whitlock and Hauk to the rotation for these oft injured guys. The, the, the strength of this team to this point has been the 140 innings pitch that we've gotten from the rotation. Uh, that's 10th best ERA in baseball at 3.41. Um, the underlying metrics say that this team has a lot worse starters on it than what we're getting numbers wise. And I think that as attrition uh, continues, we're probably not going to see that number improve. And that's what I'm that's what I'm so worried about is the the pitching and the attrition on that side. I think you're right, the offense will eventually find its level. Maybe. But you know, Sale and Paxton are supposed to come back at some point. Well, I mean I don't think you're gonna get much out of Paxton this year, but without we're gonna get something to sale. Um Here's something. Uh, why is Mark Melanson in Arizona? Go get him. Well, Seems. they had an opportunity to. He signed for, what, two years and $14 million last year, and you yeah. weren't in on him. You know, yeah. it's just like, why, why now are we going to, as a big market team, give up prospect capital to the Diamondbacks to go get a guy we could have just had for money? Because <laughs> the off the off season was stupid, you outlined it. Yeah. We made a mistake. Yeah, so now we got to go fix it. 
We made so many mistakes. It's just, it's annoying. And, and that's the thing that scares me too, is, is Bloom going to lose faith in this particular unit and start selling? That's where things get really frightening because we've outlined some of the contract situations that are going on with this team right now. And, um, you know, they're, they're not great. Um, Kike has the opportunity to, to be out of here after next year. So, you know, that's a guy that they could potentially move on from if they're out of it. Xander Bogarts is a guy who, I mean, I would, I would hate that more than anything that they could potentially trade. And we got some listener questions about that, that we'll explore. Devers only has a year left. I, I won't even utter the words that they could trade him, but like, you know, Eovaldi is going to carry tremendous value. Uh, and if they don't plan on extending Eovaldi and they're still way out of it, like these are all names that would you really put it past Bloom to trade these names from the team, considering they have a half a year left of control uh, by the midseason? If they're still in last place, no. I would. I mean, yeah. if they're still in last place, I would expect it. I'm not. I don't. I don't think they would let guys like Evaldi and others walk if they're in last place and there's no intention to keep them here beyond uh, this year. Um, then yeah, I would expect them to. Um, <laughs> Bogarts one would suck so hard, um, and. I really feel like it's – I mean, I, don't, I, th- I feel like if they don't get Bogarts done, then they're not going to get Devers done either. And yeah, I, that's just a gut feeling. I feel like obviously there's more time to get it done. And um, if Martinez is gone and if Bogarts is gone, obviously they've got more capital to play with, which is just a stupid thing to think about with the Red Sox. Like those words should not be something that we're saying with the Red Sox, but um, it just feels like he will have seen like every face of the franchise uh, since he's been with the team, just either like traded or just let walked. So why would he be like, yeah, no, they 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 definitely believe in me. <laughs> they didn't believe in anybody else. What would be different? Yep, I think you're right, and I think that's this the scariest thing is if they don't turn this around uh, and and get closer to contention by the time that that trade deadline comes around, um, we might see some truly frightening things start happening with this roster, um, and they may be justified and some people will drink the kool-aid but know that if that occurs that it was bloom's fault for failing monumentally with this offseason that's it we don't have to we don't have to talk about that yet though we're still months away yep that's about it's it's coming it's coming it's may i don't know (laughs) all right it's still early Um, jake as they say uh, yeah, it is. That is something that they say. That is definitely a thing they say. Don't forget, um, maybe should we May, get to a couple of late. Yes, that's true. Should we get to a few of these uh, listener questions? Because I think that these questions really kind of uh, hit at 
a lot of the stuff we're we're talking about. Yeah. Um, first one comes from Ivan L. Apex, and he says, uh, "How about now that he is back, we go get Luis Castillo, and if Bloom doesn't want to pay up top prospects, he can try to get Mustakis's bad contract with him. He only has one year and eighteen million left after this year." He hasn't been horrible, 697 OPS, and he can at least play first, third, DH. Um, Luis Castillo, is that a piece that you could see Bloom trading some prospect capital to get uh, with the addition of Michael Moustakis, especially considering, I mean, the Cincinnati Reds dumpster fire makes the Red Sox look like a World Series challenger at this point. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, I mean, it makes sense to me. Um, it would also start to give some, uh, some shape back to the bullpen and some more defined roles to guys like Hauk and um, Whitlock. So I would be all for it. Um, Mustakis one is interesting. I mean. That's not a bad. I mean, you're talking about like one of those like middle of the road guys to play first to hold over to Casas. That's not a bad one. Yeah, I mean, it all depends on what the cost is. You yeah. know, obviously the cost for Luis Castillo is going to be very high. Um, I don't know how much that gets reduced by taking on Mustakas's contract, and if it's a meaningful reduction. If you can do it without touching the top three, if you could send like a package of, you know, I don't know, Duran and Downs and and Bayo uh, to get that done rather than touching the top three guys in in York and Casas and Mayer, then I think you you definitely have to consider it because Luis Castillo is such a good young pitcher. But um, I'm just not sure how realistic that is. You know, I, I, uh, I would definitely explore it though. And I think that it's something that the due diligence should be done on, especially if you find yourself in a position where, you know, you are thinking that you might shop Kike, you are thinking that you might shop JD Martinez, you are going to shop some of these other guys. I mean, Mustakis is a fine bat to carry you, uh, to the end of a meaningless season. Yep. Um, we already answered uh, Patio D's great question, so we'll move on to the next one from Winston. Uh, he says, is it officially time to embrace the beginning of the end for Xander? This team's bad. He's going to be a free agent, and now multiple national outlets slash reporters are discussing him potentially being moved at the deadline. Keaton, I hate this question. Nothing against <laughs> Winston. Um, I'm just... It, the idea of uh, of Xander not being here is so painful to think about. Um, I don't do this. I don't trade him. Even if the Red Sox are out of it, if it's me, Keaton, I do not trade Xander Bogarts. I don't think what you get back will be worth the harm that it potentially causes the case of potentially re-signing him. I always think that once a guy leaves, it makes it far easier for him to pack his bags and go for good. 
Yeah, and the offers are not going to be great because he has the opt-out. So without any kind of guarantee um, and him, like, a sign-in trade or something like that, like a guarantee that he'll sign a long-term contract after the deal, which he's not going to do because he's already stated he's going to opt-out. You're not getting anything meaningful at all in return whatsoever. So, yeah, it's... I don't think it's the end, and just because he's opting out doesn't mean that the Red Sox... <laughs> I feel like we were, we're saying the same stuff about like Mookie and, and other guys, but just because they opt out doesn't mean they can't come back. But <laughs> with Bogarts, I feel like we really mean it <laughs> because of what he means to this team. Um, and I think that they mean it when they want him there. Um, but I just feel like if they don't make like an actual effort to re-sign him this offseason when he does opt out, I already barely believe anything that this front office says. I will no longer believe a single word. Yeah, I think you nailed it there. I would also say that I would rather have Xander on a last place team and a 50% chance to sign him long-term than have no Xander on a last place team with like a 10% chance to re-sign him in some, you know, bottom 100, you know, 50 to 100 range uh, national prospect in the system. Give me the better chance at signing Bogarts over another prospect any day. Because it's not going to be like a top 10 guy. I mean, you're not going out and getting Julio Rodriguez for half a season of Xander. <laughs> yeah, no. Just doesn't work like that. Uh, Hamilton Porter has the next question. He says, uh, don't give a team or management perspective. You personally, me and you, Keaton, who would you prioritize long-term, Xander or Rafi? Devers. Why? Uh, younger, higher potential. I mean, I know like the leadership that Bogarts brings, and that's a, a big piece of what you're going to say. Um, but like, <laughs> you already know my answer. Yeah, yeah, I do. and yeah, and that's. But I mean, <laughs> Devers. You were talking about Devers being like a perennial MVP guy last year, and um, yeah, he's 24. That's yeah. So Devers for me. This is going to cost you more, but that's why I prioritize Devers. Doesn't matter. I don't. I don't care if he's not playing third or first. If he, if he even like, I would invest long term in him as my DH too. It's just the talent is a special bat, and I would prioritize that. Yeah, I mean, I think looking forward, um, you're right. If I'm looking at these guys from a pure baseball perspective, I think that uh, Rafi is the guy you have to focus on um, if you had to choose one of these players to build around. Um, but as we've talked about before, I would prioritize Xander in these negotiations because I think if you get Xander, you also have a better opportunity uh, to get Rafi long-term. Um, and I think, you know, Xander, I feel extremely safe about. If you're asking me which one of these contracts, I think might be more risky than the other. I absolutely think that Rafi has a v- more violent swing, a higher maintenance body, 
Uh, he definitely has a higher offensive ceiling, but I think he also has a higher or a, a much lower floor uh, than Xander, who you know takes care of his body, doesn't miss games, is very consistent. Rafi hasn't started missing games either, but he's still very young, as you pointed out. So I feel really good about Xander from an aging perspective, and I'm totally comfortable giving him a long-term deal. Um, I would prioritize him and what he means to the team. Um, and I know I'm definitely in the minority on that. Uh, next one comes from Ivan L. Apex again. He says, from 1 to 10, how much would it suck if Xander leaves in free agency and stays in the division playing second base for the Jays? Uh, it would be like that deer in the bridge that you guys tweet sometimes when things are bad. <laughs> I would be like, uh, I think he's referencing the everything's fine. No, the deer on the foggy bridge. You don't, you don't know what... Oh no, I don't know this one. It's a, it's like a statue, but it's it's pretty hilarious. Hold on, let me. I was in the, I was pulling it up because I had a hunch that you may not know what it was referencing. Yeah, I'm I'm the uh, the internet illiterate guy here. Um, yeah, but anyhow, uh, I'll start answering this while you're sending me relevant gifts, but, um, it would be a, it would be off the scale for me. I mean, it would be well past a 10. It would, it would suck. I, I cannot imagine. There are certain players that you can't imagine in a different uniform. And I can't imagine Xander in a different uniform. I hate it. I hate even talking about it. Yeah. I would feel like the Ben Affleck cigarette meme. <laughs> I know that one. Yeah. I just uh, I just sent it to you. So we can get your live Thank you. on pod reaction to the deer on the yeah. bridge meme. Okay. I'm uh, I'm pulling it up now so I can give the people a true reaction. Oh yeah, I have seen this. Yes, that's <laughs> good. I I do like that. That's quite good. Yep. Yep. I've seen Matt post that quite a bit, so Yep. All right. Well, that's our show today. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed the the look here. Definitely go check out the uh, the article that we've been referencing quite a bit. Uh, Keaton, uh, do you want to plug anything right now? Other podcasts or uh, articles you're working on here at OTM or elsewhere? No, just uh, keep your, your ears tuned to the Over the Monster Podcast Network because um, we're turning them out. Good stuff for you. Absolutely. We're not going to be daunted by this, uh, this, this rough start. We're going to be with you in your ears all along the way, regardless of how badly this thing gets screwed up. We will be here telling you why and how it happened. So stay tuned in with us and hopefully things get better. Have a great week.